reflections from a range of authors, journalists, civic leaders, historians and generally interesting people, exploring the importance of the written word, the value of a library and their own inspirations and motivations. Based at RSE Connolly, the James Connolly Visitor Centre, Belfast. I am delighted to welcome this week's guest, Padraig O'Cheerney. Padraig is the Communications Manager for the Irish Language Organisation Conrad Nigeliga, and I myself have had the pleasure of working with Paddy throughout the years. For anyone who knows him, he is a powerful ambassador for Acne Gilliga. You've likely seen him on the news with a loudspeaker and a banner or a poster. He first embarked on his language journey as a teenager, after spending time in the Teelan Gilthacht in Donegal and falling in love with Annihilig. His experience was to shape not only his career path, but his life. Yeah, well, I suppose unlike many of my friends and colleagues and fellow Graham Jarrick activists and Irish language friends here in Belfast and, and right across Ireland, I didn't go to an Irish medium primary school or secondary school. I actually had no real connection with the language until I went to the Abbey Grammar in Uri. Um And Irish was like any other language, just on the on the Clarama, on the timetable for the week, you had two, two periods a week. And um, it was something that I had no, like, obviously I, I would have seen the language. My dad was a, a big GA mom. We followed our ma right across Ireland. So you always seen the language, you were aware of the language, but in terms of actually accessing the language, I had very little opportunity to meet the language or use the language or hear the language. My parents don't speak Irish, although my daddy was always sort of trying to learn one foot in, one foot out. Um, but when I was in second year in, in the Abbey, the opportunity came up to go to the Giltock. And again, like any 12-year-old lad, I didn't really want to go because it was sold to us like summer school. So who wants to go to school in July and August? Didn't want to go, but um, we went to the Fish and Dune, which was the wee local fish in Newcastle. And I won a scholarship. And obviously, at, you know, 2001, I think. And if you're given money to do something, you usually have to go and do it. So my dad was all, listen, you've won money to go to Gildak. I want you to go to Gildak. Will you go? And I wanted to stay home that summer and play football. And he says, it's three weeks. Go and do it and you'll enjoy it. But I went and I have to say, it was just a totally different experience for me. I was a really quiet young fella. You wouldn't think it now, looking at me. But very, very timid, very, very shy, no real confidence. And the Gildak sort of really brought me on at that age to have a lot more self-confidence and everything else. And I came back into school that September and like I was very academic as a young fella. I was very good in school. Never really missed a day, I was done well in tests and Irish then became easier. So I seen a lot of potential to do better in Irish and get a step ahead. Like, Gildak actually gave me a step ahead of my classmates. So I went again the next summer, it was the summer of third year. And when I was there, met up with all my old friends from Tyrone, believe it or not, and other places. And uh, I actually won another scholarship to stay for a second three weeks. So I'd done a six week block when I was 13, 14. And uh, that six weeks was just totally life changing because the first, the three weeks the year before was good, but the six weeks in Thailand, uh, at the summer of third year was just really transformational for me. I came back and I could put my own sentences together. I really fell in love with the whole idea of the Gaeltac and family speaking Irish and the area in Thailand is absolutely class. So we were, you know, your peer jumping, you're up and down Sleeve League at the Bunglass Cliffs. My man and dad came down to visit and it was something that was really became really, really special to me. And that was just really a start of a journey for me. Um, obviously, kept on all my maths and physics and all that. But going through then secondary school um, was achieving really well in Irish. But it was then becoming so much more than just 
a two period a week subject on the timetable it became almost 3d it became this subject that i wanted to use outside of school my dad started taking me to night classes he was learning as well so creeping you out of connor and again the gateway in yuri um was going on a wednesday night and again didn't want to go uh because the champions league was on on a wednesday night and that was our me and my dad's big thing and he used to say come on we'll go seven eight o'clock We'll be back for the second half, and the deal was he used to buy a fryer tux on the way back. So it was like a thing that we started doing, myself and my daddy, and he started learning, and I started learning, I started going to the Guildhack, and he started going to uh, Bombay to the Guildhack courses. So we almost, through my teenage years, went through this journey of sort of reconnecting with the Irish language together. And as I got further ahead of him, he tried to catch up, um, but he was always too slow. I just got, I just got a wee bit better and a wee bit better, because I was spending so much more time with the language but um then obviously i started doing my levels took irish on got really really bad careers advice because i was really like i was, was top of the school in maths top of school in physics just one of those guys that i could do it it was easy for me but i, I had this blood on my copy because i was doing irish all the really good smart kids in the abbey done four sciences and math three sciences and maths and if you weren't doing that there was something wrong with you so the careers teacher always used to sit down and say but you not drop that or take that as a keep that on your wee night class but if you're gonna be serious here, let's do your sciences and let's do your maths and go and do actuary or go and do science or become a doctor or something. But I remember dad sitting down and saying, look, Paddy, you know, you're probably at a fork in the road here. What are you gonna do? You have to make your university choices and the UCAS forms, bring your personal statement. All of those stories were coming coming up. And I was the guy that was thinking of doing Irish rather than doing the STEM subjects, you know. I was the sort of black sheep in the good school. And that's how it was being sold to me. That's how it was being portrayed to me. There was a bit of a guilt and stigma attached to what was going on. Um, and I, I'll never forget it. And my dad sat me down and says, look, um, obviously he, he also thought you'd probably have a better chance of getting a far better job if you do them. But he says, I know you love Irish. So if you want to go and do Irish in university, I think you need two Bs or two Cs or something again to do Irish in uh, Korean. And I had like four A's ready to go. And he says, uh, he says, why don't you go and do Irish? Because obviously that's what you want to do. And I, he says, and you won't look back. But if you pick it, commit to it and do it because you want to do it. Don't go and do something else. So I got class advice from my daddy. He was obviously obviously guiding light for a lot of decisions I made. And it was great then to go to Korean and do a degree in Irish. And you know, in parallel with all that, I was still going to Thailand every summer. At this stage, I was 17, 18. I was working in the college. I had a lifetime of friends now from right across Ireland. And my whole life had moved away from being this quiet 12-year-old boy who had no self-confidence. I was now this becoming this bilingual confident outspoken sporty person that and the la the language was a sort of thread that intertwined all those aspects of my personality together so for me the language was part of my own personal development as a teenager and it took me from a quite unconfident person to a more confident happier person and it was it was so instrumental in making me who i am now so i i, I feel that i owe so much to the language and to the guilt hack and then it's obviously very close to my heart because of the relationship it had me brand with daddy as well. So it's a, yeah, it's, it's a, I have a fantastic story. It's not the traditional Irish medium route where you present an Irish medium school or whatever else, but it's my own story. And I find it's quite personal and something I'm really proud of. Going to Korean was, was you know, the next big step um, for me moving out of home. Um, I was still really heavily involved in the Giltak and Thailand. I was on the board and I was helping to organize the courses and that would become a, a, a sort of consistent factor in everything that I would do outside the of the classroom as well at third level. So got really involved in the GA clubs in Korean, got involved, really involved in the Irish language. Um, 
there I met Neil Comer as well, who 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 become the future president of of Conor Nagelaga, who, who I work for now. Um, and made you know you know I, I remember doing, picking my my, the, my thesis um subject for undergraduate and it was on uh Sean O'Hahi who was a folklore collector from Donegal and Thailand so I was able to really connect the Gael talk side of my life and the academic side of my life through this thesis, um and you know Fenton the Brown and other people were there and were really egging me on to keep going and keep going and see if I could max out some of the potential in terms of the language and stuff so I was really loving learning about it, I was really loving using it and I was starting to teach in the local GA club, I was starting to teach, you know, Jane Hershey, I was starting to really um starting to earn a few pounds off the language as well. So it was you know, it was academic, it was for the love of the language and the Gale talk. There was a bit of a financial income from it. And, you know, I was coming up now twenty one, twenty two and I got a chance to do a research masters. And again, it was fully paid, fully funded. So again, you're just gonna keep going with the flow. I was really enjoying being in university, being 21, 22 at that stage. So I did that. And then the next logical step was that they said, do you wanna do a PhD? And it was again, fully funded for three years. So um, I, I just bit their arm off. I said, yes, no problem. Um, and the, the subject uh, was obviously a continuation of the, uh, the, of the undergrad thesis on the folklore collector from Thielen. So it gave me a great opportunity to study in depth for three and a half years the Irish language and telling the history of the language, the folklore collectors in the, in the area, you know, go down to UCD and into the archives and see their diaries. Um, and that was, you know, I was a real academic focus for me. It gave me a great opportunity to focus a lot of my research abilities on that. But then at the same time, it gave me a whole lot of freedom to teach at third level. It gave me a whole lot of opportunities to get involved in different initiatives. And I was still living in Korean, so Belfast and the sort of movement in Belfast at that time, although I was really aware of sort of the language movement and everything else, it was sort of from afar um, and sort of reading about it and listening to it, but not really all that all that part of it because a lot of it was very localised here in Belfast. Um, from, you know, you're, you're talking now maybe 2010, 2011, 2012 um, and you're watching it and hearing it but I suppose at that period the campaigns for the Irish language were more local they, they weren't on the scale as we associate them now where it's not national news all the time but still very aware and seeing all the key figures emerge through the different you know Irish medium schools and through the different movements and stuff so trying to always trying to keep your eye at that stage um, on the movement and when I graduated in 2015 um, with a PhD I was lucky enough that the Conor and Gaelic were offering jobs in the north and um, I applied for one here in Belfast for, for language protection and something and I was lucky enough to get an offer to do it and literally haven't looked back since that was six years six and a half years ago and um, I'm still obviously in a different job than where I started but still with the same organization with Conor and Gaelic and obviously things have changed a lot since 2000, January 2015 so you know, I was I really landed on my feet when I started working with Conor Nagilliga. Um, you know, there were obviously the the La in two thousand and fourteen, which I had attended. Um, and there was other things happening. Um, that I was part of, but you know, getting to work with with Kieran McGillivine and then tying in with local activists and stuff. Obviously, me and Kieran built a, a really really good friendship over that as well. Um, and that sort of came through in a lot of the activism that we started put together because I remember speaking in the early days in two thousand and fifteen. I, because I've been teaching so much in so many different local areas, it's almost outside of Belfast. I had really good relationships with a lot of Irish language groups, um, you know, right across Ulster. Uh, and Kieran obviously had that fantastic 
relationship with everyone in Belfast. So we were able to bring the sort of that urban and rural aspect to what we were doing. Um, but you know, 2016 comes and the DUP become the gift that just gives you the opportunity to push the campaign to where it needed to go. Because you know, 2015 we wanted to push the Irish language act, but with no real platform to do it. And when uh, I, through my work in Teelan, in the, the Gaeltacht College in Teelan, we were one of the colleges that got the uh, infamous Paul given email at Christmas to cut the LIFA funding fifty five thousand pound to stop the uh, to stop. You know, a means tested grant for cross community kids to go to the Gale Talk and it was like that's double slap across the face on Christmas Eve. And I remember going home that Christmas and just being saturated in my phone on social media and you were, I remember saying to mummy and daddy, there's something big going down here because RHA was kicking off. Um you knew the assembly was on its last legs. Obviously the increment of January and Martin McGuinness resigns and the assembly collapses, Irish language and Leafa is the straw that breaks the camel's back and from then you know we do the we do the protest outside of the department of communities paul given gives the money back but um the irish language community say okay we take 50 grand back that's 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 pennies at this stage what you've given us now is a national platform to, and a really human cause to highlight the discrimination that's been going on and the marginalization and the exclusion that's been going on against the, and, and these really petty decisions highlight that marginalization in a way that we never could so we were able to maximize and uh the, the Paul given leave a decision and from then in, in January and February 2017 we would you know ride that red wave of support and, and you know we didn't need to convince people that this was the right thing people on the street knew that the Irish Language Act had been an issue since 2006 everyone in West Belfast and further afield knew that the Irish language had been an issue since 1998 and going back you know to the 70s 60s even further so this was an issue that all it needed was an opportunity uh, and we were we were well placed and thank thank all we were able to, to maximize the potential and on a dram jarag then would become the organic movement of you know activists and people who were who wanted to put their shoulder to the wheel and push this issue forward and we were able to bring it to the very center of political discourse for five years right up until now you know with the Irish languages and the Irish language act is one of two or three main political issues still to be resolved and there's this feeling now that the language and the issue of language rights is almost totemically symbolic of party of esteem and the equality enshrined in the good friday agreement and it's now become the acid test of the D of the dup if you're unable to bring yourself to agree to what is realistically mediocre irish language legislation then you're probably unable to share power on a long-term basis so this is your test to see if you can move on to the next step and for the last five years and the last 20 years they've systematically failed at being able to do that so our our job is constantly to hold a mirror up to that sort of um to that problem that the dup will always have where they want to make the north work but they don't want to make rights work they don't want to provide rights and party of esteem for people so the campaign really writes itself the dup is a gift to keep on giving but the Irish language um, is something that will always be bigger than that. And, it's, and our job is really to protect the language, but to give a voice to the thousands and tens of thousands of people who want to live their lives through Irish, who send their kids to Irish medium schools, who maybe have no connection with the language, but are naturally sympathetic to the cause as well. So on one side, there's this fantastic linguistic um, reason for legislation. But on the other side, there's also this hugely symbolic um, reason for Irish people and those who associate with Irish identity and uh, Irish nationalism and everything else that comes with that and our job is really to tie that together whilst making the language as accessible for everyone no matter who you are or where you come from 
and I think the campaign we've, we've been able to run with Andram Jarig and the empowerment that's given people. We always said that the legislation is important, but the journey that everyone's been on through the Irish language, the profile of the language, you know, young activists coming to age and, and really taking over, there's almost a generational shift in that, um, that that journey was every bit as much as important as the destination, or the destination of legislation and that sort of dry, papery result, that there's more organic community uh, result that we've been able to max out on. And uh, the story of Andram Jarag, I think it's been a real American story in terms of raising the profile of Irish language, not only here in Belfast, but right across Ireland and further afield.